mothers are the ones making the buying decision. They buy for themselves and for their family. And when we talk about family in India, it's still a majority of joint families. So you live with your partner, your spouse, children, and grandparents. The mums are the one buying for everyone. And buying online has become part of what they do. Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McCarter. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. I'm your podcast host, Katrina McCarter. Today on the show, we are going to be discussing the power of Indian mothers. And just to give you a little bit of context around this, did you know that by 2024, India is expected to overtake China and become the world's most populated country? In fact, according to the World Economic Forum, India will have 1.5 billion people by 2100, which is more than three times the population of the US. Now, in this episode, I'm interviewing Anushka Gangadan. She is the leader of the Australia-India Chamber here in Melbourne and also is the CEO of Global CQ Consultancy. Now, Anushka is going to share her insights to really help brands connect and engage and convert this growing and very lucrative audience, as well as pointing out some of the key cultural considerations that brands need to consider if they are going to enter into this market. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today on the show, we have Anushka Gangadan. Anushka and I have known each other for many years and um, her insight into the Indian consumer is absolutely fantastic. And I have been asking Anushka, trying to get uh, some time that was free for her so that she could come on to the show to speak with you. So I'd love to welcome you, Anushka, to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. Oh, thanks, Katrina. It's a pleasure to be here. And I know we tried to make time before, and it seems now we're talking, but we're in a different world. So looking forward to seeing what comes out of our chat. Yeah, absolutely. Now, listen, I'd love to start by allowing our listeners to learn some more about you. Can you actually share a little bit about your background, your business, and also your role at the Australia India Chamber? Because I want them to understand why you are so perfectly positioned to be advising our listeners about Indian mothers and the growing opportunity that they present internationally. Oh, Katrina, being raised by one is not enough. <laughs> um, look, I, I no, to, to be fair, I've been in Australia for the last um, seven years uh, and I've been working a lot in the space of different cultures, emerging economies and the opportunities all of that presents for Australia. Uh, and India is, of course, one of the key focus and uh, I've been doing some work with a group of people in the last um, maybe over three years. 
Uh, and then last year, we reestablished the Australia-India Chamber of Commerce. And I'm very happy to be the, the CEO of the Australia-India Chamber, which is led by businessmen, for businessmen. So we're really working at an industry-to-industry level in both countries, as well as bringing government and academia in that conversation. So that's um, one of the hats, I guess, I wear. I'm of Indian heritage myself. Uh, my great-grandparents are Indian. Um, I've been born in Mauritius and, and raised there. And between Australia and Mauritius, I also spent 11 years in China, where I worked for a French law firm. And uh, most of the work we were doing was across the European and uh, China landscape. And that was in the time uh, where China won the Beijing Olympics. So in that lead up. So again, um, there were multiple cultures, be it within the team, be it with clients that uh, I was able to experience and it became business as usual for me in that sense. And so coming to Australia and seeing um, what is possible here uh, really pushed me into, you know, looking at this kind of future, um, what it means for leadership, what it means for the team, what it means for uh, clients as well. That's wonderful. And when you're not working with the Australia India Chamber, I know you've also got your own business. Would you like to share a little bit about that? Yes. So I, uh, so the first four years in, Char- I mean, in Australia, I spent initially as a coach and a consultant, and then very soon one of my clients became my employer. So I was the CEO of the Duke of Edinburgh's Award for almost four years here in Victoria. And after that, I launched Global CQ. CQ stands for Cultural Intelligence. And Global CQ is a consulting where we help employers uh, recognize and realize the potential of um, the multicultural economy, the diverse talent pool that we have in Australia, as well as the um, diverse market that is slowly but surely building. The multicultural market represents um, about $100 billion in Australia, um, and it's a growing market. It's an influential market. So that's where Global CQ positioned itself to be able to help employers tap into that diverse talent pool and connect their people strategy with their market strategy. Yeah, it's such a great space. I see so much opportunity there, Anushka. Now, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, we often hear about China being kind of the big ticket to growth, but increasingly we're starting to hear about India. So I'm keen to talk about the size of the Indian market. My understanding is that there are 27 million babies born in India each year. So we're talking about like more than the entire population of Australia and that 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 is actually almost double the number of babies that we see being born in China. So India seems to be a massive opportunity. And by 2024, India is actually expected to overtake China and become the world's most populated country. And these are some pretty amazing statistics. And it really positions India as being a really attractive market for brands. And I'm keen to understand what are some of the key things that brands need to understand about Indian mothers? Yeah. Look, I think when we talk about China and India, other than maybe location in the Asian part of the world and the size of the population, really, that's probably where the similarities stop. 
uh, and having lived in China for that long and, you know, being of close to India as well, I, I feel I'm, you know, very well positioned to, to be able to talk to those two without any kind of prejudice or, you know, bias for one. Look, talking about the size, on the 1st of January this year, there was more than 67,000 babies born in India. And that's a huge number. And, and um, you know, China is a close second and there was about 46,000 babies born. But we, when you look at the one-child policy in China, and when you look at the average age of Chinese and the average age in India, it tells a very different story as we look into the future. China has an aging population. Like most Western uh, economies, China is one of the few emerging, I mean, although, you know, one could argue whether they are emerging, but they are not a Western mature economy, but they suffer from an aging population. So India, on the other hand, has an average age of 28. That's the average Indian, they are age 28. And even when you look at the coronavirus that's happening at the moment, they have a very, very young population. And most of the population are under the age of 65 with the majority being in that 25 to 35 age bracket. So that's that's the, the population. There is a growing number of middle class. There is a growing number of couples at the right age who are having babies. And, uh, and that's going to continue. So women get married at a, a younger age still. The average age um, around, I mean, the, this is a 2016 data was around 20 years old that's the average age of the of the indian mum so it tells you how long and we we have more than one kids and and uh, so there is a a large number of potential mums they're starting early and the the culture is one where you have more than one kid so that in itself shows the potential of that market. And it's only growing as now we can see a rise in that middle class uh, parents who want the best for their kids, who are exposed to, I guess, online technology makes that also extremely accessible to get information in terms of what is available, what is best for their babies and being able to afford more and more of that. Mm, it's, fasc- it's really fascinating. I did a lot of research for my book that I launched last year, The Mother of All Opportunities into Indian Mothers. And one of the findings that I found was that they're really big internet users and that their media consumption really increases once a, an Indian woman becomes a parent. And they're mass- they seem to have this very significant jump in terms of their internet searches and they decrease their need or or their reliance on on traditional media. And uh, I was keen to understand, are mothers leaning towards this internet use because of time and convenience, or are there kind of other reasons behind that shift? Well, I think firstly, uh, you know, internet users all around the world are are going up. While in India, there's um, about 560 million internet users, only 30% of them are women. So that's also important to see, you know, like overall, as much as we're progressing, Indian women, there's a massive gender inequality across many, many different areas. And and here, 70% of users are men, 30% are, are women. However, mothers are the ones making the buying decision. 
So they buy for themselves, they buy for their family, they buy for their children. And when we talk uh, about family in India, it's still a majority of joint families. So you live with your your, your partner, your spouse, your your children, but also with grandparents. And the mums are the one buying for everyone. And buying online has become um, increasingly part of what they do. And to be honest, what is happening at the moment tells you that this is not going to go backwards. It's only going to go forwards. And now the habits, though, that we see where, you know, bargaining is part of buying in India, where it's a very price sensitive market that continues. You will see that happening online as well. And, um, you know, now there's even people who are finding it okay to buy pre-loved goods, which was which was not you know the kind of behavior you would see before. And anywhere there is discounts, perks, rewards, those are the kind of behaviors that the the Indian mum is definitely going to be looking for and wanting. You know, even when they share their private information, that there's reluctance towards doing that. However they would, you know, more than 90% will give their information if it means they get instant reward or some kind of prize. So it is very much a, a price-sensitive market. Still want to make a, a good deal, a bargain, and stay within budget. But then there are ways where you can engage them with some of this instant gratification. Marketing to Mums, the podcast, is proudly brought to you by the Marketing to Mums Assessment. This personalised diagnostic report will help you understand how your brand is currently performing in your Marketing to Mums activities. The Marketing to Mums Assessment will clearly identify your gaps and opportunities and provide you with a series of recommendations to attract, engage and convert more mothers and their families to your business. You can find out more about Marketing to Mums Assessment on the website at www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash assessment. I'm keen to now talk about social media if we can and particularly the use amongst Indian mothers. It seems to me from my research that they seem to be quite similar in their social media preferences to what we see from American mothers or uh, mothers from the UK or Australia. There seems to be a strong love of Facebook and Instagram and, and YouTube. Does that actually mean then that marketers can use them in the same way that they might used to communicate to mothers in, you know, the US or, or Australia, or are there other things that they need to be aware of? Yeah, well, at the moment, we know that, uh, you know, Facebook, WhatsApp are very, very popular and they are used extensively in India. Um, but there are some, um, I, I would say, that there is a bit of a, of a move to also get uh, the equivalent of what China has, which is their own local beat, WeChat or Weibo. Um, I don't know if you've heard about ShareChat. Ooh, no, tell us. <laughs> so ShareChat, um, look, the ShareChat uh, originated in India. So it has about six, it's had more than 60 million users uh, monthly. And it is in 15 Indian languages. And I think that's where the difference will come. So while, you know, like like you see in, in China, 
WeChat is the go-to for for Chinese uh, buyers, Chinese customers. There is definitely a feel that India needs its own version of of WhatsApp or of WeChat. So ShareChat then provides this uh, platform where it is in their own languages. I mean, as you know, India is one country. It has multiple cultures. The way you you are in the north is very different to the way you are in the in the south, and that means the way brand will engage someone from the north is very different to someone in the south. Someone in rural areas compared to urban areas again, that's a major difference in India. And here, the the number of languages that are there, while English is one of the official languages, being able to give Indians a platform where they can express themselves in their own language is something that we can see um, happening more and more. So ShareChat at the moment is one that I do know that is creating and filling that gap. So I would say for brands, you need to stay close to some of, of, of this, the, what is happening within the country. Oh, look, that's really fascinating, Anushka. I wasn't aware of ShareChat and that uh, it seems to me that it's not a one-size-fits-all when you're going in to, uh, to approach an Indian mother. It's very much you have to understand, I guess, where she's located within in India as well. So that's some really, really great insight. I'd actually like to talk about the way Indian mothers or their parenting approach because it seems to be quite different from what we see in other countries. My understanding is that Indian mothers tend to have a very strong child-first approach to parenting and that mothers seem to be more likely than mothers from other countries to encourage their child to reach milestones ahead of schedule. And I can kind of imagine that this could create some fairly attractive opportunities for brands, particularly in the educational product space or any kind of services for children. And I was wondering if you were able to comment a little bit in terms of that, in terms of that, their parenting approach and this kind of selfless nature of Indian mothers. Yes, there was definitely, you know, a big child focus in parenting. And it's not just the the parents, the grandparents have a lot of say in how children are parented. And of course, you know, this competitiveness around overperforming kids continues and it is well celebrated. It is a very big uh, definition of success in India continues to be. Uh, However, in 2018, Ipsos came out with one of of their latest studies where they showed there is a a shift from the child-focused parenting to the me-focused mom. And unlike you know, it's not me focused because I don't care about my kids anymore. It's more around I want to be the best version of that I can be. And that includes me as the mum. So it's very active, very assertive role in what a best mum should be. So again, it is around surrounding the child and allowing the kid to, to perform super well and, you know, do everything they can do and be ahead. Uh, however, it is also, I guess, taking responsibility in terms of how as a parent and what role you play in that. So there has been a shift or there continues to be a shift towards the me focus as as mums. And I think that's very, very different to before. You know, when you look at the Indian culture, even the goddesses, you've got Parvati and, and, you know, on the other side, it's she's called Kali. So one, one, um, 
feminine figure with multiple roles and sometimes it's even represented as the uh, the woman's body with you know many hands so that shows you're doing so many things and the the indian mum definitely wears a lot of those hats and now moving from just being there selflessly given it's also taking charge in what is my role how can i influence and what am i doing how do i become the best version the best mum i can be which i found very very interesting you know for me although i've been raised um, in an Indian culture, also very much brought up in a Western way of thinking. You know, what my mom didn't have growing up, she made sure I had. We grew up in a very gender neutral house, although uh, my mom herself couldn't go and finish school the way she wanted because her brothers had to. So in one generation, there has been massive shifts. And now when I see this as a, a shift in India, I think this is also very encouraging. There's some level of empowerment happening, even though it's still the mum at home primarily taking care of the family. Uh, some great insights and I love how you're able to share your personal story with us, Anushka. Now, listen, you tapped into something there that I really want to get into a little bit further and that was around the gender inequality which seems, uh, I know that you're talking about a shift, but it still seems like there's a significant issue there in India. And it still feels like mothers, Indian mothers, carry out the bulk of kind of unpaid work and the domestic duties. And their participation in the workforce seems to be much lower than in comparison to other countries. And I want to know, how can brands better support Indian mothers and and have they got a role to play in changing these statistics? Well, I think think they definitely um, there's a role to play. How quickly and how much influence is required, I think is a mammoth task when we know, you know, women are doing well at school. In fact, more than 50% of undergrads are women. Um, and, you know, more than 40% of PhDs are also women. Yet you only have less than 25% of women in the workforce. So the moment they became mother, they become mothers, they, they're generally out of the workforce. So the economic participation of women stops at a very, very early point in their life. And then to get back into it is, you know, another story. We know it's not easy, uh, even in very advanced and supportive cultures. So in India, when you look at flexible workplace, when you look at childcare, a beat around the cost or the traditions, you know, these are all standing in the way of the mums. That keeps that gender inequality really at a very high level. The pay gap is 65%. And uh, in terms of economic participation, it's really, really low. It's about, it's I think, just over 23%. So I think there's a long way to go. However, brands can play a role in in changing a lot of these beliefs. I know in India, for example, Bollywood stars are can be quite influential. So there could be uh, campaigns, and there have been campaigns around simple things. I mean, you know, we're talking about brands, but I'm talking here probably extending it to things like you know the the. To, toilets and um, using pads around uh, women having their periods, something even more fundamental than selling consumer product and fashion and so on. Even around there, some of the Bollywood actors have been very influential in driving those campaigns. So I think there is a big uh, role that 
brands can play in in influencing, in changing some of those narratives. Um, and you know the the moms who are shopping online, fashion is the the biggest largest place where they're spending time. I think it's more than seventy five percent of their time is spent there. So how can brand create the narrative and put it out there? It, it's also India. Everything is kind of exaggerated in terms of advertising, in terms of selling a product. You know, it's not enough to say my product is bio friendly. How does it portray the the woman, for example, being a better mum is part of the story that needs to be to be told when when you are trying to sell to that market. So the messaging and the influence can be much wider and needs to be as well to be able to engage and build trust with that market. I hope I answered your question. Yeah. Yeah, look, look, you have actually, Anushka, there's there's one ad that was a laundry powder that I use in a lot of my presentations and it was by a laundry powder, I think it's called Ariel, and they did a great campaign, which I'll put in the show notes, it's called Share the Load. It was about a brand taking a stance on gender inequality and about how men need to lift their game and start doing the laundry, but it was so beautifully told. I think that that's a really good example of one way that a brand could uh, could actually play a role in in changing the narrative, and I appreciate your insights as well. Yeah, so I guess they didn't just talk about your clothes being cleaner or the cycle of washing. It was more around that whole experience. That it's the role of of the of the woman in there. So I think yeah, that's I haven't washed. I'll go look for it. Oh, it's a great one. It's basically, it's mum comes home from work for the day. She, uh, her husband's got his feet up already watching TV. She gets him a drink. Uh, she's putting on a, a load of washing. She's getting the dinner on. She's still taking work calls. And it's her dad as the grandfather is observing all of this. And it's his thoughts about how he writes her a letter to say how he's failed her and he failed, and he failed to role model and he failed to, to get more involved in helping out around the house and at the last scene is him going home and putting on a load of washing with his wife at home and his daughter the mother reading the letter of uh, his apology for not role modeling well enough and uh, and how he felt for her so it was a great it was and the call to action was uh, share, share the load why should why should mothers always have to do the laundry it was a really really great stance and I'll make sure that I put that in the show notes and I'll get that over to you as well Anushka I wondered, are there any other kind of cultural considerations that brands need to understand in operating in India or do you feel that we've captured them? Oh, I think we're a long way off them, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is my experience, you know, working here in Australia and uh, in my role at the Chamber, we run a number of roundtables around topics, around industry, and that's where we've really been been doing things differently. So we bring the right people and have the, the conversation. And this is what comes up over and over again. It's around uh, cultural differences, but also then not appreciating that it is something we need to invest time. We need need to also build cultural capability to be able to go and engage that market. And, you know, just in this example you mentioned, and so actually the, the trigger or the bigger influencer in that ad for me is the grandparent. When you look at um, the culture, they are multiple generations living together, very patriarchal. So basically, it's the grand 
father saying this is wrong this is what we should be doing and you see how it works so you know whoever's done that ad has done it very well and in line with with tradition and culture whereby the viewers got it and there is that respect of where this is coming from who's telling us we need to do this differently and that, that's that's crucial in this story it's absolutely crucial wouldn't have the same impact had it been the grandma or, or even the husband, if there was the father there, uh, you know, the older generation. So extremely important to understand family dynamics and multi-generational influence. I think that that's uh, in this case. But overall, if I were to talk about culture, again, this is, you know, something I, I live and, and do all the time. So I could talk about that very long. So stop me if I'm going too far too long. <laughs> We look at culture on six different dimensions, and and some of them would be around hierarchy, would be around, you know, India is a collectivist society rather than individualistic society, where Australia, for instance, is individualistic. We We celebrate the champion, we celebrate, you know, coming first, while in India we celebrate more the, the team coming together, more the community aspect of it. It's a it's a patriarchal, it's very masculine society. So I think that part we got right because a lot of the Western world is too. So we can relate on that. And I guess uh, one, two other things that are very important to know is the long-term orientation in India, uh, which means you can't go in and expect you'll sign a piece of paper, you'll come out and it's done. You have got to be in India for the long game. You will go there once you are, you know, we say in our experience, you need to go visit India three times, be there, get engaged, get dirty, meet the people, build your team with locals. Because once you've built that level of relationship, it's going to take you through. Even when, you know, things are falling around you, if you've got a strong relationship, trusting relationship with your Indian um, cohort, your Indian partners, you'll be able to get through a lot of tough times or or you'll be open to networks and opportunities that others want. So relationship and building it long-term, that long-term thinking is extremely important and it's very different to the West where we are more short-term, you know. You have a conversation, you come, you sign an agreement, it's yes, yes, it's done. In India, I often say that when someone, you ask someone, they say yes, it does not mean yes, it means I have heard you and now we're getting started. Similarly, no doesn't mean no, you know, so you've got to, to build and learn those. And also the other thing to understand about India is what motivates the consumer. And if we put all the consumers in, in one basket as well, I think we, you know, that's also a, a problem because India has got multiple cultures. If you look at the size of the country, you know, the, the food that we eat in the north is different to the food we eat in the south. And it's very, there's very strong identity with, you know, the, the area you come from. So I think that's important. And, and it's a price-sensitive market. To start with, it's a country that doesn't have a lot, doesn't have high trust, So, but it's such an important part of building brand and building your, your business there. You need to be able to build trust. So you have got to spend a lot of time, invest a lot to build that trust, get amazing relationship, invest in them, take the time, because after that, then you, you'll be in.
Your podcast host, Katrina McCarter, has launched her second book. Called The Mother of All Opportunities, this book has been written for board directors, C-suite, senior marketers and business owners to shine a light on the enormous opportunities for growth which exist in the mum market. Katrina demonstrates why now is the right time to rethink your relationship with the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Fast track your brand and build a competitive advantage by gaining critical research-based insights into this massive and underserved market. If you live in Australia, you can get your copy from www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash book. If you live overseas, you can get your copy from Amazon. sounds just like there are so many cultural considerations. I'd love to actually move now and talk about migrant Indian mothers. One of the things that I've seen in my research is that Indians really love to relocate. And here in Australia, 29% of our residents, so more than 7 million people, were actually born in another country. And India is one of uh, the most common origins. Uh, Yet I don't see many Indian mothers depicted here in Australian advertising. And I know that you've got a very strong interest in cultural diversity through your consulting business, Global CQ. Why should Australian, US, European marketers listening in, why should they be considering more diversity in their advertising? What are the benefits to them? You mentioned some big stats there, and you know, take that a little further. In in Australia, almost half the population has at least one parent born overseas. We speak more than three hundred languages, and when you look at the talent pool, India will be representing more than twenty percent of the global workforce uh, in the near future. And any even in Australia, when you look at who your next employee will be who your next customer will be, it's going to be significantly different from the ones we have had. So unless we are able to talk to that market, to engage that market, how can we expect to sell to that market? And I think that's a bit of the, you could call it being naive or others can call it being arrogant or, you know, just not interested. The the way we have been selling what is important to the previous customer, it's got nothing to do with the market that is, you know, ahead of us. And you're very right, we do not see enough um, diversity in advertising. At the same time, the demographic, the market that is in society is not represented in um, in leadership. It's not represented in the employee demographic either. So until we can get that right, we will be missing out on a massive market share. We'll be ma- missing out on a, a growing and affluent market. In Australia, the multicultural market is worth $100 billion. And in the States, I think it's about $1.3 trillion. And it's the single minority group that has grown significantly in the last few years. So when you look at that in terms of their buying power, it's huge in terms of uh, the talent pool that they are representing that's growing as well and then when you look at the global scale of uh, the size of the indian population the age of the indian population and how much 
products and services they will need as they, you know, keep building the the population, getting them more educated. I mean, uh, Narendra Modi has huge um, ambitions for his country. He wants to, um, to have 400 million people educated by 2022 in India. That that's the you know India has the largest tertiary age population globally. So when you look at that, these are huge potential. Those who are today learning are tomorrow's leader. Those who are, uh, you know, in, in that uh, growing middle class are your your next market, your next um, consumer. So it's really important to get to know them. It's really important to get to, to represent them in uh, in advertising. If someone cannot see themselves in in an ad, then you are not selling to them. And I think that's a massive risk in not doing these days. Yeah, it feels like a really big missed opportunity to me. Um, and certainly you've painted a picture of a very attractive growing market for brands, catering for Indian mothers, yet yet it feels like it's currently missed. If you were had the ear of, uh, of hundreds of marketers around the world, what kind of couple of tips would you give them about if they were considering entering the Indian market to grow their brand either you know this year or in years to come look I think overall it's just not in 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 India and you know you and I have had some conversation around that I think we there is a missed opportunity in terms of recognizing who the real influences are in purchasing decision and now looking at the at the Indian mum, if you look at India, the the notion of time and money and how it plays together is an important um, element. Generally, you have you know in the West it's a concept of not enough time, so we will pay to get express postage, we will get pay to get delivery. In India, there is a lot of time. The Indian mum who are making, you know, more than 70% of buying decisions for their families have time on their hand. So I think recognizing that they are going through uh, the internet, they are comparing sites, they are looking for the stories that uh, shows them who can be a role model for them. Uh, looking at places where it's it's painting a future that they want for their kids, and they're spending hours doing this every day. So if if marketers can understand that and understand the concept of India has a lot of time, not as much money, so tight budget, a lot of time, and use that in terms of their advertising, in what stories they're telling when you know when they are online because that's where they are. And, and now with what's happening around the world at the moment with the virus, we're going to be there for a while. I would say, yeah, that, that's a, a really good place. So look at how you can give mums best deals. They need to feel they've got a win out of this. They need to feel educated, valued, and also you know feel they walk away with some kind of, of tips to being the best mum they can be and um, influencing the future of their children, I think you'll be, be doing well. Mm, yes, some fantastic tips that you've given us. Anushka, if people wanted to learn more about you, your business, Global CQ, and also your work with the Australia-India Chamber, what's the best way for them to reach you? 
Uh, I'm on LinkedIn a lot, so I would say connect with me and send me a message because, um, you know, I do get a lot of, of uh, people requesting to, to be connected, but without a message, then I wouldn't know. But please do send me a message and I can and then, based on what the need is, direct, you know, what is the next move. Um, so I would say LinkedIn is a good place. I'll, I'm happy to share my email address as well. So it's Anushka at globalcq.com, A-N-O-U-S-H-K-A at globalcq.com. And you will also find my website, which is www.globalcq.com. Wonderful. We will also put all of those as easy links in the show notes for you listeners. Anushka, can I just say it has been a really fascinating discussion today, learning more about Indian mothers. And I really wanted to thank you for sharing your expertise and your deep insights with, with our listeners at Marketing to Mums, the podcast. Oh, thank you, Katrina. I appreciate the opportunity to come here and share. Thank you. Thanks. Well, it certainly seems apparent that Indian mothers represent a really growing opportunity for brands and businesses around the world. I loved how Anushka shared some very deep insights into the cultural considerations for businesses that might be thinking about the Indian market. Now, if you've enjoyed today's episode, I really encourage you to share it with your colleagues and perhaps leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organization by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer, mums. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favorite guest was and why. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast. Don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.